Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 15 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So it would seem that Scar is back up to his old tricks assaulting alchemists in the street. And it seems like he's uh, decided to pick on a rather venerable alchemist in that he's lived long enough to be old and he's dedicated enough to tattoo all sorts of sigils and alchemical circles on his hands. So clearly, you know, he's got to know something. And interestingly, despite his seemingly advanced age, he is pretty spry. Although, in all likelihood, not spry enough. You know, I'm noticing a bit of a pattern here in that missing limbs seems to be a commonality in how Scar beats people. So unfortunately for Scar, it seems as though he's picked up a new traveling companion in the form of Mei Chang. So this, to my mind, is one of the really big deviations from the 2003 anime in that it sort of introduces a whole bunch of characters that were entirely absent. The first of which, of course, being Mei Chang. Now, she's an interesting character for many reasons, not least of which showing that there are various cultures here and that Emestris is but one of them. The second interesting thing is her, essentially her method of alchemy, in that it seems to defy all manner of alchemical law. 
and that it has, I guess, biomedical application, for want of a better term. So I find it interesting that Mei Cheng here crossed the desert by herself just to make her way to a mistress. So seemingly, if she were to do something like that, there must be a real good reason for doing so. You know, if we're to understand that Xing, the country she's from, is analogous to China, that would involve crossing the Gobi Desert. Which I am given to understand is, um, a pretty big feat, you know. Historically, as I understand it, the Gobi Desert was a, uh, a really good barrier. So the plot thickens a little bit. Mei Chang is sort of engrossed with this quest for discovering the secret to immortality. You know, little does she realize she's kind of correct, but probably not in the way she imagines. Speaking of things being different from how she imagines, she really thinks that Edward Elric is some sort of dashing hero, and I guess he is by some description, but surely she imagines him as being much taller than he will inevitably end up being. Now surely that'll go over like a lead balloon. Speaking of people who can't break the habit, it seems like uh, Barry the Chopper can't help himself but attempt to chop up women in dark alleys. Fortunately, uh, Lieutenant Hawkeye is uh, quick on the trigger. Quick on the trigger and not phased, for that matter. Granted, she might be privy to Alphonse's secret, therefore, this will be less of a shock. And given that they share knowledge, I guess, it would seem that uh, Barry the Chopper is now a person of interest for more reasons than just being a serial killer. You know, despite the whole, like, attempted murder business... Yeah, yeah, it makes sense that Mustang would be interested in whatever information he would have. I mean, understandably, they seem to have tied him up, because, you know, he's an ex-murderer. But, at the same time, Barry seems, I don't know, kind of reasonable for an ex-murderer. I don't know, like... 
Maybe I'm just reading into it a little bit, but his temperament seems to be rather amiable. You know, like, he's willing to talk to people in a reasonably good-spirited way. So, you know, murderous tendencies aside, he might not be a horrible person. Okay. So we have, I guess, a real reason for why Mustang wants to interrogate him. It goes back to the murder of Hughes. Obviously, we know it wasn't Barry the Chopper. If for no other reason than his nickname is Barry the Chopper, and uh, Hughes was shot. You know, doesn't really match his M.O. Oh dear, Ed, you've done it again, haven't you? Man, you know, I feel like at this point, Winry can hardly do much more than uh, give a bit of a rush repair here. You know, I wonder why Ed just can't sort of repair his own arm via alchemy if a lot of the damages more cosmetic rather than functional, you know, surely... Or, I guess, you know, surely he could just fabricate the parts for Winry, you know? She provides the steel, he shapes it into the appropriate shape. I mean, they're also in Rush Valley, so... One would think they could get all the parts they could want. I feel like Winry's almost just kind of spiting him for wrecking his arm again. Oh dear, it seems like the Elric brothers have been fleeced. You know, they invited this guy to share a meal because he was clearly starving in the streets and he's just taking advantage of their hospitality. So a bit of a pattern is emerging here. Several people from Shing have crossed the desert to make their way to Amestris. Alright, so we're getting a nice sprinkling of plot threads here. You know, there's the ruins of a country called Xerxes. There's all these people from Shing crossing the desert. There's this continual distinction between alkahestry and alchemy. Alkahestry being more medicinal. You know, I'm noticing a couple parallels to history in that Amestris has a non-aggression pact with Drachma, the country to the north, and smacks a bit of Germany and Russia in the Second World War. You 
You know, this tense music in the background really makes it seem like something bad's gonna happen here. Like they've really made a mistake by helping this guy out. So Ling Yao, as he introduced himself, he really doesn't seem to have much to offer. You know, he doesn't have much information in the way of Alka history, but he sure wants to know about the Philosopher's Stone. And now that he's brought it up, a really sinister look has sort of crept across his face. Oh dear. So it would seem as though Ling Yao is not alone. He's brought bodyguards with him. Alright, so just like Mei Chang, he is also interested in immortality. And he has reasonably surmised that the Philosopher's Stone is the only way to do something like that. Of course, you know, he doesn't know the true dark secret of it. And Ed isn't exactly willing to share that information, so they're sort of at an impasse here. So Ling Yao and his retinue have decided that violence is probably the best route to get what they want. I mean, that's probably not a good assumption here, considering the Elric brothers are capable fighters, but at the same time, you know, they're dealing with an unknown quantity here. And Ling Yao's companions seem to be professionals for want of a better term. I mean, I guess in a sense, Edward is a professional in that he's a state alchemist and therefore a part of the military, but in terms of, like, martial arts, I don't think he really has any true formal training. Ooh, that was a vicious backhand. Like, the way that was animated was really nice. It conveyed a nice sense of momentum just sort of being smacked in the face like that. So Ed's in a bit of an unfortunate position. You know, it seems that in contrast to how he normally fights, he's not transmuting his arm at all. And I guess that's probably because it's damaged and he doesn't want to screw it up any further. But at the same time, it seems like he's sort of deliberately hampering himself. I like how casually Panini just sort of hops up alongside Alphonse. You know, she seems to want to help out just because it might be fun. You know, it's nice of her to sort of turn over a new leaf like that. So, you know, Ed has noticed that insulting Ling is, um, 
perhaps a winning strategy here, but I think you might be laying it on a bit too thick with the fighting words. I mean, I guess it's working out for him so far. Now, I do find it interesting that Ed was, um, I guess, more focused on removing the mask than sort of ending the fight. It ended up working to his detriment, unfortunately. Alright, so we have a nice little demonstration here of Alphonse finally being able to use alchemy via clapping his hands. You know, he seems never to have done that before. I think it's a nice little bit of continuity, showing that he is capable of it, and now he's going to start doing it. Oh dear. I was going to say, boy, I really did it this time, but it seems like he used his arm as a decoy. Man, Winry's going to be really upset about that. Oh dear. So you know, I find it interesting that even though he sicked his minions on them, Ling Yao is really casual about dealing with them. You know, one would think that the confrontation would preclude any possibility of being civil. How utterly unscrupulous. Ah, oh dear. Man, I guess the worst thing he did was he stuck the Elrics with the bill for... Not only the food, but also all the damage. I mean, to be fair, they were attacked. I feel like the townsfolk should be a little bit more gracious. Oh dear. Poor Ed, the only thing that made him special is now no longer unique to him. I guess he's really just short and that's all there is to it. I like how Ling Yao just sort of excuses everything by saying he'll talk to his minions and that'll settle everything. I mean, considering how savagely they basically destroyed the town... I don't know, I think that warrants a bit more than a stern talking to. So the plot's thickening a little bit. Ling Yao is not just any random tourist from Shang. He's the son of the Emperor. 
And he's not the only son either. Alright, so I guess this sort of conflict is a product of how Shin does its business. You know, given that the Emperor has a bunch of kids, succession is tricky business. I guess hence why Ling Yao wants to curry favor by finding the Philosopher's Stone. You know, I find it interesting that he has a really, uh, rather greedy reason for trying to find it as opposed to others. I mean, it's not as though their motivation isn't totally selfish, but it's, I guess, um, a bit better morally. You know, they want to repair their missing limbs rather than gain favor and become the crown prince. So I guess he's not entirely selfish, you know, he's doing this for his clan rather than purely because he wants to be the Emperor. Oh dear. Plot's getting really thick, you know, Winry's expressing interest in seeing the Hughes family again. At this point, I don't think any of them know what's happened. And no doubt it's going to be a rude awakening when they do find out. Well, it seems like for better or for worse, everybody has strange new companions now, and they... I guess they could scarcely get rid of them after everything that's happened.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy. <laughs>